0: This is Life Transformation Radio. Prepare to engage.
1: Seatbelt activated. activated.
0: activated. 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 Download initiated. Initiation. Your quantum journey of transformation begins in 3, two, 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 one.
1: Welcome to Life Transformation Radio. Hi, I'm Rob Actis, best-selling author of The Law of Action, voice actor, business mindset coach, the podcast whisperer, and Mr. Action himself. Life Transformation Radio is heard in over 90 countries. Thank you for joining us from all around the world. Whether it's your first time joining us or you've been listening to Life Transformation Radio for some time, I want to personally thank you. Here at Life Transformation Radio, we are committed to share more about real life, Love, the power of positivity, romance, and, of course, laughter. We care about helping others find their internal drive and purpose. We celebrate life's challenges and overcoming them. Please rate and review Life Transformation Radio on your favorite podcast platform. We so appreciate it. On the show, my guests are amazing people who are forces for good in the world around them and live a life of transformation. My guest today, well, she does just that. Today, Toby Feldman and I discuss how to transform yourself to reclaim your life, health, and relationships. If you want to learn that pivoting is an essential part of your life, discover what makes you uniquely you, and step into your purpose so you can reclaim your life, this is the show for you. Toby Feldman, the resilient AF midlife mama, is an eccentric entrepreneur. She's a speech-language pathologist life balance coach author speaker and podcaster she successfully transformed her life from a chronically stressed fibromyalgia ridden traumatized mama dealing with cycles of chaos and crisis in her family to being resilient af oh you know what that means with firmer boundaries tighter relationships and inner peace toby welcome to life transformation radio
0: Thanks, Rob. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Wow. Okay. So I'll just say one thing. Resilient AF, midlife mama.
0: Mm-hmm. Go. Go. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> well, I've been through some stuff, you know, um, and I hit 50 and I was like, whoa, like how am I still still going, you know? Um, I've been through been through some things, some tough times with my own physical and mental health and with my, you know, raising teens and young adults. I'm like- so
1: sorry. I'd I just say, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. I had a teen. Yeah. I have a teen. She's now 22. Um, God help us. That's all I can say.
0: God help us. <laughs> So I've got three. I've got twenty-one, congratulations, 18, and fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a handful. It's a handful. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah. So so I began looking into like. I hit 50, and I had these three kids, and things were rocky. I was, I was. I love how you
1: said that. I was turned 50, I had three kids. People are listening, like, what? No, you. <laughs> Older kids, when, right? You're, when you're 50 years old, you realize that, oh, my God, I still have three kids.
0: <laughs> and a husband, right?
1: All right, there you go.
0: It counts as that fourth kid sometimes. You Love didn't get them daily. all you didn't
1: get them all in one day. You didn't get them all in one day. They right. didn't just all appear like miraculously. I'm turned fifty and all of a sudden I got three kids and a husband. No, okay. You <laughs> finally realize that no, but, they've been hanging along with you for a while, so okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah, and and I was at that point, I was really struggling. I was using a cane. I was um just physically and mentally broken i was bottomed out wow. um and at a place where i i did spend quite a bit of time in bed i actually i slept on a massage table for a while because i couldn't even get in and out of the bed um okay
1: that's kind of scary massage <laughs> tables are kind of high they're not very <laughs> wide i would have been terrified that i would have fallen on the floor like I, I mean they're they're not they're high and I tend to, you know, you just move to the left or move to the right. Did you strap yourself on or did you, did you, was it really like three and a half feet tall when you did it?
0: So the cool thing about massage tables is that they, some of them but oh, they're I adjustable. Have happens, oh my they're god they're adjustable oh, oh i feel so <laughs>
1: dumb i didn't think about that like how would i not know that i have three massage tables in my house i was there a massage <laughs> therapist i never even thought oh yeah they're adjustable you can make them really low <laughs> I was like a cot okay
0: yeah because right, obviously if you're working with someone you want it higher for your own comfort but to sleep on it i lowered it as low as i could get it and uh there was some concern about rolling off, but no, I, it was good. Um, As I just couldn't get in and out of bed, it was the only place I was comfortable. Wow. And I was like, this has, got, this has got to stop. I can't live like this.
1: So, did this happen? So, you're 50 and all of a sudden this happened? Or is this a slow process that all of a sudden you slowly started to fade and your abilities to maneuver through life?
0: It was a slow process. I had I had been through many, many years of, well, I was diagnosed with the fibromyalgia back in my 20s.
1: Okay, so you knew you had this. Okay, so I knew you were going down the yeah. fibromyalgia path. I have friends that have it, and it's very debilitating. And the reason I asked that is that most people don't know they have it, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. their quality of life goes low, <coughs> lower. Lower and lower and lower. Um, yeah, so it got a little choked up. It's a very debilitating disease. It's, um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm thinking of my friends that have it, and it's just, for one thing, no one believes you have it, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And because they can't see it, so they're like, ah, you're faking it. And that's, one of the, that's why I got a little choked up, because one of my friends has gone through that, and that it took a few doctors to get to the point to actually diagnose it where she has it, and then, cause she thought she was going crazy. She's like, God, am I freaking crazy? Am I, am I, am I losing my mind? So you knew about it from you were in your <laughs> the 20s. The doctors feed
0: into that too. <laughs>
1: yeah. So it's a very, yeah. it's a very difficult, um, diagnosis. One, it, it's very mental because you think you're going crazy and it's, you know, it's challenging. So you had it at 20, you knew that. So you knew that the course of your life was going to be dramatically changed as you aged
0: yeah so i i i mean it it shut me down back in my 20s i i remember my i was living in new york city i was working um in a in a therapeutic uh, nursery school in a montessori that was integrated right and um I just I shut down and my parents brought me home. I remember they had they put a lift on their stairs cuz I couldn't even walk up and down the stairs. It was bad. And um what was interesting was that I I I hit a point craniosacral work was like the voodoo. Ooh,
1: I like that. Okay, so now we're talking my <laughs> lingo, man. I like that cranial sacral therapy. I love that. That's like so we could have a whole conversation about that. Let's okay. Let's go through your story and then let's talk about that. That's so amazing. Now, I think that will really blow the minds of some people that are listening right now. But wow, I have a few friends that do cranial sacral therapy. And wow, when my daughter um, had brain surgery and had had uh, four strokes, one of the things that, that we did was cranial sacral therapy. And it was amazing. And I had it done on me. And it allowed me to cope with what I was going through because it was very traumatic. A lot of, you know, just mm-hmm. that was a severe trauma to see your fourteen year old daughter. So yeah, cranial it just let me up cranial sacral therapy. I think that's so cool. You're like,
0: well, how did he know what I didn't that know was? Anything. Were you
1: surprised? <laughs> Were you surprised that I knew what that was?
0: Well, now it's more it's 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 more mainstream now than it was back then. But back then it oh, was yeah. like, you know, they found this guy and he did it on the front porch of his house and. I just I called it my voodoo. I didn't know what in the world it was, how it was working. I didn't care. It just it it That's saved cool. me. Yeah. And I I just got to a point where I desperately wanted back into my life and it what at that point I wasn't I wasn't evolved enough, quite honestly, to be conscious of what the choices were that I was making. Right. But I was making very conscious choices to manifest what I wanted to really look forward at what, what I wanted my life to look like right. and focusing on the things that were working for me to get out of that space and to not be defined by the diagnosis. That was a big piece of it. And, um,
1: that's a and, big piece. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. That's yeah. Cause I do know people that have fibromyalgia and some of them are thriving and some of them are just wrecked wrecked
0: and it can do that yeah it can do that and when i have relapses so it's it's for me it's very much stress induced so when i have flare-ups or a full relapse i can spend days in bed weeks in bed um or be in a position where i need a cane because the, the pain is just so much um you know but it's but it's there's been a constant pivot and not just with my <sighs> my state of mind but the choices that I made along the way so I learned the biggest thing I learned was how to pace myself
1: that's, and yeah. that's
0: something that I've Always, always used, and will probably always use, is how to pace myself, how much I can handle in a day, you know, what can I handle on either side of a of a trip or whatever it is. Um, but also pivoting in my work, and and that was a big piece of of my transformation was the shifting of what I did in my speech practice. Um, to get to where I am today, you know, so a lot of that was I was working with preschool most of my career and working with preschoolers you're on and off the floor, you're sitting in little tiny chairs at little tiny desks oh, and yeah. it was you know, like, it got to the point where it was like, this is not working anymore. <laughs> uh, so
1: were you setting boundaries for yourself of like, I'm not going to sit in the little tiny chairs, I'm going to stand up for myself because a lot of people will, well, Everybody's sitting in little tiny chairs. I'm going to do this. And they don't want to be a burden. And they they don't hold themselves boundaries. Um, it's so important to have boundaries for yourself. And, you know, people talk about boundaries, and they always think it's sexual boundaries. You need to have boundaries in almost all the areas of your life. It is so impactful, and it allows for a really clean, even-flowing life. Like, I'm all about boundaries. I am so clear on the way that I will accept people to treat me and that's a really strong boundary on me. Like that's that, really that's important huge. and I have a boundary of like, look, I'm going to take care of myself and I'm very kind. I mean, even in a restaurant, if, if I, if I don't feel comfortable where I'm going to be seated, I take a boundary because I am all about experience and the journey. And I want my meal to be incredible and if I'm going to be sitting in the in the table that's right by the kitchen, or whatever, I'm like, look, I'm happy to wait another 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I don't care. I prefer not to sit at this table. And people don't do that. They don't set the boundaries to take care of themselves. So in your instance, with the small chairs, you set a boundary of like, I need a bigger chair. I need a pillow. I need this. And, you know, People need to know that they don't need to ask permission to stand up for themselves because we only have one body and we need to take amazing care of it. And you honor your body by having boundaries, whether they're sexual boundaries or emotional boundaries, but boundaries are so, so important.
0: So I'm going to switch gears completely here because boundaries are so, so amazingly essential yeah. to to everything um and that, and as you said, it's self care that is when people hear, particularly women the or at least the women that I deal with um there's often this this sense of I don't have time for self care I can't afford self care you know, it's selfish to do self care and self care bottom line foundational self care is setting the boundaries.
1: Absolutely. And, oh, I, yeah. yeah. I'm all <laughs> about self-care. Um, it's so important. And, and, I, and I will just say, I won't say all women, but the women that I know, and I've really worked with them in that they feel so guilty. They do so much, and they're such nurturers, and they want to take care of everybody around them. And then their health is shot because they're taking care of everybody around them, letting everybody have these extraordinary lives, and they won't even take time out for 20 minutes to have a bath. Or just right. to meditate. Right. Or go on a walk yeah. in nature. And yeah. I'm here to tell you, and Toby can be the other person to tell you, <laughs> you deserve to be happy. Like 100%. And you cannot take care of anyone else until you take care of yourself. I had this conversation last night. We were at a friend's house. And I'm like, this guy was like, man, I've gone and gone and gone and gone and gone. I've worked for the last four months, seven days a week, you know, 16 hours a day. trying to build a big business. And he's now just, he's got a health issue now. And I said, look, you're a Ferrari. You're a high-performance sports car. And you cannot treat a high-performance sports car like it's, a basic consumer car. It takes a lot of care, good intake, you know, and as a human, you're a high-performance sports car. Good food, good input in your brain, what you see, what you hear, the people in your life cuz they are they can be toxic mm-hmm. and you deserve to be happy and it's time for you to let these toxic people go and that's a boundary you need to accept and demand because and it's sad to me that I'm finding that especially women, they don't feel they deserve to be happy. They're just here to serve. Well, serve yourself first. Get the facial. Absolutely. Get the massage. Do the meditation. Close the freaking door. The kids can wait. They'll be just fine. So I'm yep. giving you permission. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. I will be the rallying cry for women that I see that don't take care of themselves. They're high performers and they just don't take care of themselves. And I'm like, look, you can pay now or you can pay later. And if you pay later, there's a chance you could die. What I mean by pay later, or you could be down for months and months and months with some debilitating illness.
0: Right. Cause it's not, it's not, I mean, I have the situation with fibromyalgia, but it's, and I know lots of people who don't have a diagnosis of anything that bring themselves down because they're not doing their self-care, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to have a pre-existing condition. And I will say that um as a mom of three teens and as someone who works with women who are also raising teens and young adults that particularly right now what we're seeing is a lot of kids who can't get shit done. They are stuck. They are you know, the 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 amount of depression and anxiety, the levels of depression anxiety are rising. Oh
1: yeah, there's, it's terrible.
0: There's a lot of struggle. And so what happens with um you know the pivot that I've made was into working with older kids. <laughs> Looking at, you know, I can I can use my my skills to work with older kids and I did a lot of it based on experiences that I had raising my own kids, which at the time was I was too emotionally connected to really see it um you know i i I would get into those meetings those those meetings with school that I would go to as a professional, but when I sat there for my own kid, it was like you know i I right. was lost, and um, the cobbler
1: in his shoes pretty much yeah totally yeah
0: totally and and what I've learned is that you know. The when we're in, and this is for everybody when we're in this state of stress, it's that fight, flight, freeze response, right? Which shuts off the part of our brain that allows us to do executive functioning skills, which are essentially getting shit done, right? And so, when our kids are having trouble with this, we mamas or parents jump in and do the things, it's yeah. like especially because we're so used to doing and caring. We're and you doing gotta all the
1: You've got to let them fail. <laughs> they, they, and yes. the other thing is, is so in the conversation of self-care and boundaries, is look, your kids are going to model what you do. If you just go and go and go, and you don't handle stress well, and you don't take care of yourself, you're just creating the cycle of them repeating it, and they're not going to do the same thing. You know, I yep, find it that's fascinating.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, yep. so
1: I'm not a golfer. I'm not a golfer, but I think men inherently have discovered self-care. Now, a lot of guys want to, like, look, I go get a facial every month. I get a massage. I love my Manny Penny pedicures. Um, I go sit in an infrared spa. I really try to take care of this high-performance sports car. I, I Very much so. But I think it's interesting because... You know, and a lot, a, lot of, a lot of women that I know, their husbands go off and they play golf. Well, that's their self-care. That's how they can blow off their steam. And, you know, that's a way they can do it. And, you know, some, some guys do it all the time, but I think there's that time. And I think it's important that in a relationship, in a marriage and with family and friends, that every or family and kids is that you need to be able to have your alone time for your self-care. And I think even yeah. doing self-care with everybody, people don't realize that when they take a day off, this is a typical American family taking the day off. Okay, uh, we're going to take off the weekend. We're not going to do anything. Okay, Johnny has baseball practice <laughs> at 8 o'clock, and then we're taking Sally to dance class, and then we're doing this, and then we're going to the birthday party at 4, and then we're doing this, and we're meeting the Joneses, and we're doing this. And then tomorrow... We're going to get up and we're going to have breakfast. We're going to go to church. And then after church, we're going to come home and we're going to meet with the family. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to go over a barbecue and this. And then Monday, that was our weekend. It was so relaxing. So
0: relaxing. Let's call that the Rubik's Cube weekend, it's you know, so, trying to fit where everybody was going. It's so ridiculous. So
1: Sundays, <laughs> I don't work. And Monday, mm-hmm. I thrive. I don't work on Sundays. I do very little. I'm very like last night went over to a friend's house. They just bought this beautiful new home and we played just a, some games. We had sushi, swam. Well, I got thrown in the pool and then <laughs> we just hung out and had conversation. It didn't take, we didn't talk about business. We talked about life. We laughed. We told jokes and I just feel alive today. So, like in this show right now, I've already done two podcasts. I've already done a voiceover. It's not even noon yet. I did my miracle morning. And that's the self care that you need. You need to take that time off. It's so important. That's my soapbox self care and yeah. boundaries.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is my soapbox. It's self care, boundaries. And, and the other step that I take with, with, um, with the work I do is, is really like having people dive into the discovery of what's going on for them. Because a lot of times we're seeing, uh, you know, all of this happening with our kids and it takes us someplace that maybe we aren't, maybe it's in our implicit memory that we're not really in touch with and, you know, it could be past trauma or just past experiences and, <clears throat> I found for me, I really needed to go back and release some of that in order to parent from a place of love and not a place of fear. Nice. And in order to have different boundaries, because my boundaries were coming from love and not from fear. And there's a big difference when you're parenting in that space. Yeah. And, um, you know, based on what you shared with me about your daughter, I, I, I would imagine that that, you know, parenting from a place of fear came up for you, um, that, you know, but I think with, with especially right now with what we're living through and what we're seeing our kids go through, there's a lot of unknowns about yeah, there really, you know, there, there what really the future is. brings. And, and I think yeah. as
1: parents, our job is to instill in our kids self-care, taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. and having the door open so they can come to you with whatever challenge they have in, your, in their life whether it's thoughts of suicide, whether um, it's sexual identity, whether it's, it's getting into a sexual relationship, whether it's traumatic experience going on in a relationship with their boyfriend or girlfriend or girlfriend or girlfriend or, girlfriend or boyfriend or boyfriend, whatever that is, you need to be yep. the safe home, the safe place. I mean, I had agreement with my daughter when she was a teenager. I just said, look, I don't care whatever situation you're in, I don't care if you're drunk at a party and the police come and or whatever you rob a bank, whatever is there, whatever happens, I will always be there to get you and take you safely home. Now, the next day, we're going to have a conversation. However, you need to know that you already have a safe ride. So then the reason is, is it, it breaks my heart, is that one of one of my daughter's friends was at a party. Aiden wasn't drinking, but they were drinking and everybody was drinking around them and she needed a ride home and she needed to be home by a certain time. She was afraid to call her parents. She had been drinking and everybody else had been drinking and she was so terrified of calling her parents that she got into a car with kids who had been drinking and they were in a terrible accident. Mm. And I committed to my daughter, look, I don't care the situation. You have a safe space with me. Yes, there'll be a consequence, but it's not going to be in, in me getting you out of that situation. I always promise you, you will have a way to land safely home. And parents need to really embrace that because there's so many challenges going on with kids right now that you have to give them that safe space you know, my daughter can talk about anything with me. We're very open, you know, in, in, in whatever with sex or whatever, because I love her. She is my daughter. I brought her into this world. Because of me, I brought her into this world. And I know that she is here for a reason. And it's not about me. I just want to support her to have the most extraordinary life she can have. And I know this is a tough time to be growing up as a teen or even a, a, in the a 20s or 30s. And I want to always have a safe spot. I might not agree with everything that she says. However, I want to give her a safe space to have that conversation because
0: I, I, uh, that's
1: so important. <laughs> and I invite other people to do that because, look, there are kids taking their lives. I will tell you that... I can count on almost both of my hands of teens that I know in the last year that either tried to commit suicide, are suicidal right now, that have been locked up in a, um, um, on a 72 hour hold, or committed suicide. And the majority of the people that I know that these teens did that, their parents would not listen to them. They had no safe space to land.
0: So I will, I, I feel that so intensely because I, I too also have a number of kids who I've seen this go on with. Yeah. Um, and I, and I also need to say that sometimes there are things that go on with our kids um, that they don't hear uh, that, that there is safe space. Yes. And... And sometimes we're in a situation where we can no longer create safe space. Yeah, I got you. And we need to have boundaries <laughs> to be able to know when when it's time to um, take action to make sure that our child is in a safe space.
1: Yeah, like I said, um, my and friend...
0: Sometimes I, that's not with us.
1: Exactly. Well, that's what happens. So... Um, it got very scary and she was put on a seventy two hour hold. That's the most difficult thing when a child is suicidal. Um, that you cannot be their safe space and you know, you have to get them into the place that's safe. And it's yeah. very imagine imagine having to take your daughter and put her in to a locked facility because she's suicidal twenty four hours a day. That's devastating. And it's an incredible boundary that you're setting up, that you will take a stand for your child's safety and well-being.
0: Yeah. I, I unfortunately very much can relate to a lot of what you're saying.
1: Yeah. And, and
0: it's, it's, it's a tough place to be. It's a tough place to be in that situation more than once <laughs> um, of doing something that you know, is incredibly painful for your child as well as for yourself. Yeah. But that it's about safety over relationship.
1: Yeah. And, and because their life stand, is more yeah.
0: important than anything.
1: Absolutely. They may be mad at you, but their life is more important, and they will get through this. Mm-hmm. They will, with the yeah. right help, they will get through it. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that that I do a lot on Life Transformation Radio and other podcasts is, um, I've dealt with a lot of suicide this year and over the past couple of years. And I am committed to having it be a normal conversation where it doesn't have to be this hush-hush thing. It needs to be a natural yes. thing. You talk about sex, you talk about suicide, you talk about mental illness. It doesn't need to be this hush-hush thing because when it's a hush-hush thing and it's being buried, it doesn't get talked about. And it's like you can pay me now or you can pay me later. You can pay me now and you can have small conversations where they're the beginning of problems and challenges. If you ignore it and you pay later, it's really, really challenging to get through and lives are shattered.
0: It's really, I would love to just burst that whole bubble, that mental health bubble, the suicide bubble of, of hush hush and people being afraid to talk about it as if asking if asking your child if they're thinking about harming themselves or killing themselves is going to f- make them do it. That's not how it works. No, <laughs> you know, we have to ask the questions. And the other piece is, um, we came up against this many years ago with one of our kids. And what occurred in our experience was that there were these amazing, amazing supportive friends. And it put a lot of pressure on these kids to know that their friend was thinking about it and not to know what to say or who to speak to or if you know, when do you reach out to an adult? When do you reach out to a parent? How do you be that confident friend? you know, there, that, that line. And so we had this wonderful woman from suicide prevention come and have a meeting with the kids and the parents that were all involved wow. to talk and share about this, because it really is something that that needs to be brought out and spoken about and other kids need to understand because all of our kids are coming up against this, uh, you know, they all have friends that they know are touching that place and they have to be able to talk about it. And they have to know that it's okay. It's okay to go to a parent and say, I'm worried about this friend. I, th- I, I, they need to get help. Um, and, and it's, it, yeah, <laughs> we need to talk about it. Yeah, more. absolutely.
1: And, and one of the things about that is that you can do, and I invite you to do this often with your adults and the kids in your life and the teens in your life. So like Toby, you and I are friends and, um, I call you on the phone or in zoom or I see you in person and I may call and I go, Hey, Toby, how are you? And your response would be, I'm okay. And then my next <laughs> question okay. would be immediately. No, really? How yep. are you? And I think that's, what it does and I, and I think what it does is it opens up a space for them to go, oh, they're not just asking the question, how I'm, you know, like, hey, how are you? I'm great, because that's the thing. But there's that genuine, like, no, I really care. How are you? I have some friends that are going to some major stuff right now. Losing a business, transition of divorce, um, terrible, terrible, terrible yeah. things. And I reach out to them all the time, and I'm like, hey, Toby, how are you? And they always say, oh, I'm doing good. No, really, how are you? And then it opens up a safe zone for them to share that. And it's so important. It's the, it's the best thing that I've been doing. Please, I invite you to do it. Um, other people yeah. that I know that have been suicide prevention people, they, they always talk about that. It's not, I didn't invent it. But it's a way that it kind of tricks the brain. And it's a pattern interrupt in a way. And it really will open a door for you to have a conversation that may be uncomfortable, but it's a way to find out what's really going on, especially with teens, because, oh, yeah, everything's fine. But if you stop, you take a breath and look, no, really? How are you? And then shut up. And they'll just go,
0: well,
1: and you can then gauge what's going on.
0: I also think it's important for us to open up with each other, right? I had a beautiful experience years ago with a friend. I ran into him in the store. He's not somebody that I saw often. And he said, Hey, how are you doing? And I said, All right, not great. And he's like, so refreshing. <laughs> it's so refreshing that you didn't just say okay and keep going. And and we just had this moment where we shared what was going on with each of us and shared a hug back when we could hug each other and, and, and went our ways. And it was it was really refreshing. And it, it was at that point that I started making a commitment to really speak from an authentic place of how I am doing, because I spent years stuffing all of that. And the more I open up and share, the more other people feel comfortable opening up and sharing. And, and it's, it's, it's so important for us to all be talking, <laughs> On a, yeah. at that authentic level
1: well, Toby, I want to thank you for being on life transformation and sharing um what a powerful <laughs> conversation we have had. you definitely are the resilient af midlife mama um definitely eccentric i love looking at the vw bus behind you can't see the video but i just she's definitely eccentric i love your chakras in the background she's talking about cranial My sacral therapy yeah i see all that stuff it's so so cool thank you so much for being here today i really appreciate it
0: thanks so much for having me rob it was great to chat with you
1: Absolutely. And thank you so much for your support and taking the time out of your busy and precious day to listen to Life Transformation Radio. We so appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me, along with my very special guest, Toby Feldman, to touch your heart, move your soul, and inspire you to live a life of transformation. I'm Rob Actus. Until next time.
0: This is is Life Transformation Radio. Download complete.